The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm your host, Gina. I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns, the heinous crimes that changed them forever. Season finale. Yes. I cannot believe we are at the end of season three already. Y- either can I. 60 full episodes. Plus about 15 patrons or 11, yeah, something like that. Probably, probably about 10. Yeah. But it's insane to think that we've come this far. And, you know, I've already got a head start, guys, on season four, and it's going to be amazing like i am hooked on some of these stories i think you will be too whenever you get start reading them and start listening to them so for sure so we're excited um hashtag no spoilers season four will premiere on may 4th may the 4th be with you and um until then we're going to take a little break and we're excited to get back into it in may and we hope you guys are excited and will join us but for today's episode This story I saved for the finale because I had heard and knew about parts of it, but I really didn't know the story until recently. And as a mother, it infuriates me. Yeah. And this is one of those stories that Gina kind of clued me into because it wouldn't give it justice if I was kind of going into it fully blind. Right, and I was so far down the rabbit hole that I needed company, so I had to pull him down too. Yeah. All um, I know is, like, this is the, like, what, third or fourth story we covered coming out of SIUC? Yes. Like, our kids are never going to Carbondale ever. Yeah, it's kind of frightening. Um, and for this story, I have been in contact with the victim's mother, as well as another key person um, into the investigation, so... Um, I'll have some quotes and things like that from those as we get into this story. So this is A Mother's Fight for Justice, the story of Praveen Varaghese. On a cold February morning in 2014, Ashley realized that his cousin Praveen was not in their apartment. The two cousins were sophomores at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. They had been out at a party the night before, and Ashley wasn't sure if Praveen had left early to go work out, or maybe he had a class. Um, So, I mean, he noticed, but he wasn't, like, overly worried. Right. But by that evening, no one had seen Praveen, and he wasn't answering any text or phone calls, and it was just very suspicious, like, not like him. You know, he called his parents every single night. And it was actually around 9 o'clock that night when there was a call that came into his parents' house, which is up by Chicago, from Carbondale. And and his mother, whose name is Lovely, assumed that it was Praveen calling. But when she answered the phone, it was the Carbondale police, and they were wanting to know if Praveen was home. And she said no, that he was in Carbondale. And they said, well, we're looking for him. If you hear from him, tell him to call us. So that's how she found out that her son was missing. And that call, you know, that just changed her entire world forever. 
This is the story of a mother's fight for justice and the story of Praveen Varighese. Praveen Matthew Varighese was born July 29, 1994 in Evanston, Illinois. His parents, Matthew and Lovely, were first-generation immigrants from southern India. His father worked as a respiratory therapist and his mother as a nurse. Praveen was an athlete. He was in his high school's cross-country team. He ran track. Um, he also was active in Indian dance. That's cool. He was kind of like this perfect combination of his heritage and then like the Western culture that he was growing up in. Right. He was a happy person. His family said that he was always laughing, always joking. Like he was just kind of a fun kid that would make you laugh. He was charismatic and really just an awesome person. When Praveen approached the end of high school and started looking at colleges, he told his parents he wanted to go into law enforcement. And they were really surprised because just about everybody in their family is like in a medical career. Right. So they were kind of surprised. And Lovely has said in numerous interviews that she was a little bit worried just because, you know, law enforcement can be a dangerous career. Right. And he decided he wanted to attend Southern Illinois University because they have a respected criminal justice program. And they do. And his cousin Ashley joined him um, that fall at SIUC. Praveen and Ashley partied like most college kids do. You know, they drank and went to parties and things like that, but nothing too extreme. But they actually were at a party at that night in February, and that is the night that changed everything. Praveen was last seen at a party in Carbondale on February 12th, 2014, around 11 p.m. According to his phone records, he called a friend from Chicago at approximately 12.30 a.m. on the 13th. According to this friend, she felt like maybe Praveen had accidentally dialed her because he wasn't really talking to her, but she could hear sounds that made her think that Praveen was running and maybe even arguing with someone. The friend said that Praveen told her not to hang up, but she eventually did hang up the phone. Like, she wasn't alarmed. She didn't think, like, anything bad really was happening. She just figured he was, like, maybe at a party or something. Right. Um, and then there were two Twitter posts made by Praveen that night. The first said, quote, 99% of the time I have no idea what's going on, end quote. And that was at 11.06 p.m. And then there was another uh, Twitter post at 11.17 that said, quote, bloody knuckles, guess I was in a fight, hashtag back down, end quote. Now, there were some people um, at that party who later said that Praveen actually was trying to open a window and it kind of fell on his knuckles. And that's why his knuckles were bleeding and he was making a joke like, oh, looks like I got in a bad fight. Right. Um, but once he was missing, that tweet was sort of maybe misconstrued by some people to think that he was in a fight mm -hmm. at the party. Um, they said that... You know, he would always joke around. So, like, him making a joke about being in a fight after, you know, accidentally smashing his hand, they like, that was just normal for him. Right. His mother wasn't surprised by that at all. 
Witnesses said that Praveen left the party on foot, and after he left the party, no one else who knew him saw him again that night. Praveen's family hurried the six hours south to Carbondale to help look for Praveen. A reward was offered for any information about the missing 19-year-old. He was described as a 19-year-old male of Indian descent, 5 foot 7, weighing 150 pounds. He was wearing a red t-shirt, dark blue jeans, and his favorite pair of purple shoes when he disappeared. Purple, the purple. He had a tattoo on his chest that read, quote, fear God. Matthew and Lovely were desperate to find their son, despite some authority suggesting like, oh, this is a college kid, you know, this isn't uncommon, he'll show up in a few days. And, you know, like for most college, like I never had that experience, but I know a lot of people that went to a four-year college, there was plenty of times where you'd go wake up, you know, you'd go out partying on a Friday and on Sunday, you don't know where the hell you are and be like, hey, taxi man, come get me. Well, and that's kind of what the... Police told Lovely, but she said, you know, no, I know my child. Right. And if he was able to call me, he would have called me by now. He talks to me every day. Right. So she's like, no, that's not, no, it's just not. Maybe that's what statistically, but that's not what happened with my son. On February 17th, a young man came into the Carbondale Police Department to inform them of something rather disturbing that his cousin had told him. His cousin, Gage Bethune, had told him that he picked up a man matching Praveen's description that night. You know, they were like watching the news and they saw the missing person. Right. And he's like, I picked somebody up that really looked like him. We got in a fight and he ran in the woods off of Route 13 on the east side of Carbondale. Yep. So knowing there's this reward, he comes in and he gives us information. Gage Bethune was brought in for questioning and he had... A hell of a story to tell. Meanwhile, police were searching the wooded area right outside town, and they found Praveen. Lovely has described that moment in many different interviews, and she was in her hotel room, and I believe the dean of the college was there. The police came in, and they said, we found Praveen, and she said, is he alive? And they said, no, and I can't imagine as a mother... Like, what a punch to your gut. Yeah. And what kills me is she has also talked about how the day, the evening before when she was actually at work, she just, like, went into a room and, like, maybe the chapel and started crying and she really didn't know why. And that would have been around the time that everything happened. Um, And then the night before he was found, she had a dream, an eerie dream. And it's like that mother's intuition is so strong. Right. It. I mean, I have it with my own children and it's... Been right more times than not. Yes. Sometimes it's more of a curse than a blessing. Yeah. Lovely and her family were told that Praveen accepted a ride from a recent acquaintance. And after an argument, Praveen left the vehicle. They were told that Praveen was highly intoxicated and likely died of hypothermia after fleeing into the woods. Clothing was found nearby Praveen, although 
Praveen was found without a shirt or his shoes on. Right. Okay. So authorities explain that when somebody is suffering from hypothermia, they get this false sensation of being hot. So they actually take off their clothes and make the hypothermia worse. Right. And so... Which is... A fa- it's a, That's a, a found characteristic of it. I mean, yeah. So that's what they're telling her. You know, that her son was highly intoxicated and, you know, that's why that happened. Authorities were pretty sure they knew what happened. They were so sure, in fact, that before the autopsy was even done, they held a press conference. And Carbondale Police Chief Jody O'Gwyn... Well, I'll let Chris read what he said. Um, He said, quote, The difficult terrain and low temperatures are believed to have contributed to Varagi's difficulty finding his way out of the woods. End quote. Deputy Chief Stan Reno said, quote, There were no obvious signs of trauma to Varagi's body. End quote. So... They're basically saying that he was drunk, stumbled into the woods, got couldn't lost. get out, and froze to death. Right. But Lovely wasn't buying it. You know, she's like, that just something's not right. They asked to see Praveen, and when they saw him at a local hospital, it confirmed Lovely's worst fears. Praveen had what looked like a massive bruise on his forehead. So, the first thing she asks is, who beat my child? Right. Who beat my baby? The authorities told her that Praveen was found face down. And so, the area that looked like a bruise was frostbite. Now, I don't know. Have you seen, like, early cases of frostbite? Like, the different stages? I have not. The only frostbite I've ever taken care of was, like, advanced necrosis. Right. And, like, I could kind of see how somebody would be, like... Oh, yeah, that's, like, beginning to middle stages of frost, you know, of, like, heavy frostbite. Mm -hmm. Like, because it does kind of, like, the skin becomes discolored and stuff like that. Like, I could kind of see, but I can't really see. Yeah. You know? Like, as we tell more of the story, you'll find out why I don't, like, I can't believe that they said that, oh, that's frostbite. Right. They were told that Praveen was heavily intoxicated. And authorities even told his mother that he was a drug dealer who was looking for drugs the night he died. So, like, total character assassination on this 19-year-old kid. Right, and it's on a person that's, that has died and can't defend themselves. Right. Like, shame on, like, shame on them for going out and having this press conference before anything was even right. looked at. And Lovely knew that this, like, this is not what it was. She knows her child. You know, parents, we know our kids. You know, we know when something is not right. The autopsy was performed in Carbondale, and it listed the cause of death as environmental hypothermia. But toxicology results showed no drugs or alcohol in Praveen's system. So how did he stumble out into the woods and become so disoriented because he was so massively drunk that he couldn't find his way out? He was so drunk that he couldn't find his way out, guys. But he had no alcohol alcohol in his system. When Praveen's body was transferred to Chicago for the funeral, the funeral home director immediately had concerns and brought Lovely in to see 
that not only did Praveen have this bruise on his forehead, he had like 20 wounds to his body. He was massively beaten. Yeah. And so the funeral home director's like, I think you guys need another autopsy because this is not necessarily hypothermia. Like, maybe hypothermia played a a role, but there's more to to it. Right. Like, like, all in all, yeah, hypothermia may have been what killed him, but that's not what got him to that position. Right. So, the Varghese family decided to hire their own medical examiner to perform a second autopsy on Praveen. The toxicology results were reviewed, and once again, there were no drugs or alcohol in Praveen's system. And I don't know if Lovely even knew that until the second autopsy, because I'm pretty sure in Carbondale, they kept telling her, oh, he was really drunk, even after they knew he wasn't. Right. And I wonder how much, like, this, I guess I, I don't, you know, being a nurse, I know, like, basic biology... How much of it would actually go away afterward? Well, so there were a couple of people that were at the party that night that said that Praveen had a little to drink. Not a lot. Right. But a little. So they um, said that by the time he got out, you know, where he eventually lost his life... That had gone so far out of his system that it, it was wasn't a, even traceable it wasn't a anymore. Factor. Gotcha. Right. So, you know, it's not to say that he didn't drink at all that night, but he certainly wasn't intoxicated. intoxicated. As intoxicated as Carbondale, the police department was saying. Right. I mean, I doubt he even had a buzz. Right. To be completely honest. The medical examiner for the second autopsy that was performed in Chicago determined that at least three blows to the head were present and consistent with blunt force trauma. The blunt force trauma was considered a secondary cause of death, contributing to Praveen dying of hypothermia in those woods. Yeah, see, and that's what I said. Yeah, hypothermia is what eventually killed him. But that wasn't what got him there. Right. I mean, his blood force trauma wounds were bad enough that they rendered him incapacitated. Right. So when they say blood force trauma, like, I'm I'm still kind of dumb with the terminology. Could that mean fists? Yes. So it could be either fists or, like, a weapon. Right. Okay. So, like, blood force trauma is just... means he was hit over the head. He was hit with something hard. Yes. Okay. So, I don't know if... You guys have been listening to the podcast for a while. We covered a story earlier this season about a serial killer in Southern Illinois. And it was, I believe, either the late 70s or the early 80s. I thought it kind of spanned into both. Yeah. I'm just not sure this particular death, I think, was the early 80s. And it was Deborah Shepard. And was she, that the black woman? yes, okay. she was killed. She was a student at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and her parents were from Chicago, and she was a woman of color. And they ruled her death at first. They told her family that she more than likely had a drug overdose. It turns out she didn't have any drugs in her system. They brought her up to Chicago, did a second autopsy, and found out that she died basically from being strangled, and she was killed by Timothy Kreitzer, the serial killer, come to find out. So, 
whenever I learned about Praveen's case, I was like going back to that one and I'm like, what is going on in SIUC? Like, yeah, what's going on in Carbondale? Right. Like, like not even just SIUC, the city of Carbondale. Exactly. Like, Carbondale is not a small city. Like, Carbondale is a good, like, 20,000, 30,000 popu- population. You yeah. You know, it's not, and that's not including the students that are on campus. So, it, I mean, it's it's a significant, and it just seems like... You'd think they'd have their shit. This isn't some backwoods, like, medical examiners or, you know, stuff like police department. Right. Like, these are a bigger city... That has to deal, like, and I know that Carbondale deals with, like, drugs and stuff like that right. a lot. You know, so you'd think that they would know <laughs> better. I but mean. It, and it seems like they have the, it seems like they are ready to call it what it is before everything. That's what kind of pisses me off about this case. Yeah. Is that they had the press conference before you had any results. Right, and like more than 30 years after Deborah Shepard's death. And it's still happening. It happened again. Where you have this student that it's just assumed that it was drug or alcohol related and And no big deal, no foul play. And turns out it was definitely foul play. Right. And being from Southern Illinois, I was always, you know, told you go to SIU Edwardsville for the education. You go to SIU Carbondale for the party. Mm -hmm. Like Carbondale is considered a party, quote unquote, party college. It's interesting that you say that because um, in the documentary about this, Lovely actually talks about how when they went and toured SIUC, her husband even made the comment, like, this is a party school. And Praveen was like, well, what college is it? So it's interesting that you said that because, yeah, like, it it very much seems to be a party school. Hell, like, and I know we're kind of going off on a tangent here, kind of just talking about the schools. But if you look at SIUE's Edwardville's campus mm-hmm. compared to SIU Carbondale, like they're two totally different things. SIU Edwardsville, it just seems like it's more prim and proper and you know, you know, nice and neat. You go down to Carbondale and it's like, God, like you got you know, you know, pawn stores next to the freaking where you go take your freaking SATs and shit or you know your exams. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different worlds for sure. So now we have this second autopsy that's showing that Praveen died after being beat and left in the woods. Meanwhile, you have Gage, Gage Bethune, that says Praveen asked him for a ride after the party and was texting people trying to score cocaine. But he says, I offered him a ride, but he wouldn't tell me where he wanted to get dropped off. So I finally got frustrated. This is Gage talking. Right. And says, you know, he pulled over the truck on the side of Route 13 in Carbondale. And then he tells a few different stories. The first story he said was that Praveen tried to rob him. But he later said that wasn't true. So he then basically goes on to say the two got in a fight, started throwing punches at each other. He admits to punching Praveen. Now, mind you, this is like February 17th, like when the body was found. And Lovely didn't know this information until months, maybe even year after. Well, Because they didn't tell her this. They kept telling him this was frostbite. 
and they knew he had been hit because they had already talked to Gage, uh, and Gage okay. had told them okay. he had been hit. I got you. I I thought you were gonna say that Lovely wasn't getting like told any information. I'm like, well, she wouldn't really get told anything though because of it's an ongoing investigation. But you're talking about that they're saying it's frostbite and yeah. not. And when he when Gage has said that no, I hit him. He's a already more. admitted to punching him. Like let's and just then, talk about that. Like let's just talk about how Gage's story keeps changing. Right. Like I'm sorry, guys. Nobody that has anything that has good intention in their hearts changes their stories. Right. Well, and then you know he's like we were exchanging punches and rolling down this hill. So. The Carbondale police knew there was a fight the whole time. And then even after the medical examiner told Lovely it wasn't frostbite, they're like, oh, it's post-mortem discoloration. Well, then the, the medical examiner in Chicago is like, I don't know how they came up with this. How right. did this medical examiner in Carbondale come up with this ridiculousness that was clearly blunt force trauma? Right. And I've talked with Monica Zukas, who is a local, um, at the time, radio host. And she has um, since, you know, had a strong bond with Lovely and helped Lovely pursue justice in this case. And she actually sent me some pictures that I'm not going to share because they're extremely nope. graphic. No, nope. And that's the one. But I cannot imagine for the life of me. How the fuck they how thought How they thought, yeah. Like, it's one thing... Well, obviously they didn't. They already knew. Right. And there's and it's one thing to be us on this end without any, you know, talking about it. And being like, oh, I can see how it could, you know, frostbite can kind of mimic a bruise if you don't really know what you're talking about and <laughs> stuff like that. Just wait. But, like, we saw the pictures. And I'm like, that dude, like, he, he was hit. Like, that's yes. not frostbite. That's somebody that got his... I hate... I'm sorry to say it, but he got whooped on. Mm-hmm. You know? Like it's just it's like the, there's no denying that it was, it was a bruise. Right, and Gage says then that they saw a police car coming, and this trooper pulls up behind the truck. At which point he says, "Praveen freaks out and runs off into the woods." Like I guess afraid to get caught. Right. And as it turns out, there was a trooper that night. He saw that Gage's emergency lights were on and he stopped. There's a dash cam video. It doesn't have any sound, but it shows Gage coming up from the wooded area and talking to this officer. The officer then shines his flashlight out into the wooded area like he's looking for something. Okay? And I'm going to have you read a little bit from the police report that the trooper filed but not till like five days later, which if he had filed it timely, it could have potentially found Praveen much sooner because they would have known where to look. Right. So I'm going to have you read this. Um, he said, quote, the driver told the trooper he had offered to give the man a ride, but told the man he would need money for gas. The driver said the man then punched him in the face, jumped out of the truck and ran into the woods. The driver tried to chase the man, but couldn't find him. End quote. So yet another story. Another story. Like totally different. Right. So the officer said that he didn't hear or see anybody in the woods, but he did notice a red spot on Gage's face and that Gage was acting nervous. Gage declined any further assistance and so the trooper just cleared the call. Which, 
Are you fucking kidding me? Finish finish the rest of this, and then... Oh, we'll, it makes me so mad. Like, let's finish the, what, the rest of this portion, and then we'll get into it like this. So, I'm going to read a quote from Lovely, who is Praveen's mother, and this makes the mother inside of me want to fucking scream. She said, quote, If he knew there was an altercation and somebody ran into the woods, I wish he would have called backup, or at least in the morning they could have found him alive. End quote. And she's right. She is fucking right. They could have found him and he could still be here. Right. I mean, like, this is what boggles my mind, is that the trooper pulls up on a scene and Gage is walking out of the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's... That's not normal. Right. You know? And then he shines a flashlight for a couple seconds. After Gage reports an assault. So let's just pretend that Gage is telling the truth, even though I don't think he knows what the truth is. But let's just even say he's telling the truth. If this guy just told you that somebody assaulted him and ran into the woods, you're just going to say, oh, don't see him. All right. Right. And no I big don't deal. Get, like, I, I'll file a police report five days later. And I don't get why he, like... Like uh, Lovely said, why didn't you call backup? You know, like, if there was more than, like, if you're scared because there was an assault and you don't want to get mixed up, like, with that, then call somebody else in. I'm sure Carbon, you know, Carbondale has more than one police officer on at night. They could have found him alive. You know, and, like, if the flashlight thing, like, dude, don't cop cars have floodlights? Like, the big-ass spotlights? Or, hey, how about this? The guy just, like you said, admitted to a fucking assault. Like, being assaulted. But you didn't go down it, like, go down at all. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, and, it makes me sick and, to my stomach. And there's been times where we, like, with this case that we have talked about where he, Praveen was found. Mm-hmm. It's not that far into the fucking woods. No. Like, a, a instead of giving it a cursory glance... From the freaking side of the road with your freaking mag light, if you if they would have taken what 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. to go kind of maybe look where the guy came from just to make sure that hey shit didn't get real. Well, and now that we know <clears throat> what we know, he was probably laying down there incapacitated from a freaking head injury. Right. I mean, and even like Lovely said, shit, go back in the morning when it's daylight outside. Right. Just to. Just, just to, you know, to put everything on, you know, all your... Right. He still might have been alive. Not unless this officer didn't have that, you know, gut feeling that, hey, maybe I should go check this out again. Or, hey, can we go check it out? You know, like, I don't get how... I don't get how he didn't... There was no follow-up with it. Yeah, I don't either. You know? And I'd hate to be him because for the rest of his life, he has to live with the fact that... He could have probably prevented this death. Right. I mean, and I'm not knocking cops. I understand that they have a shitty job that they got to get done. But, I'm sorry, that would... Like, when you look, if if you Google it and you look up the video, and you find the office, like the officer's dash cam, it looks suspect. Yeah. Like, if there was... A, it looked... He as the kid said, said it was suspect. As the kid says, it, it's very sus. Like, I'm sorry, guys. A guy walking out of the... If he would have said, hey, oh, yeah, I stopped and I took a leak. Right. Then, a pre- you know, if he flashes like, 
fine. He said he got fucking assaulted, though. Right. And assaulted another person. And they just let it go. Despite knowledge that there had, in fact, been a fight between Gage Bethune and Praveen Varghese, Lovely was told no foul play was suspected. So, even though they already knew there was at least an altercation, they're right. telling her from the get-go that there's, this, there's this. no foul play. There's no, no fu- reason to suspect foul play. She was even, just told, oh, my, your son's on drugs. He's dealing drugs. Even, He's heavily t- intoxicated. <sighs> even though they also knew that was not the case. Because they had... The drug and alcohol reports. They knew he wasn't intoxicated. Right. No, and I completely, I completely agree with you. Like, like there was a gross, ne- gross neglect on everybody's part. Shame on them. Right. Because you know what they did? They basically blamed Praveen for his own death. Right. Knowing there was more to that story, kept all the parts that would make Praveen even a little bit of a victim secret. Out of it. And just told these like outright lies to so his family. So I wonder. I don't know. If Shame we're gonna, on them. I don't know if we're going to get into it at all. I wonder if race played on it. Oh, we'll get into that. I like. I don't. I wonder if race and was so, an issue with since that. you brought that up. I'm just going to mention that one thing that Lovely has said is that her culture teaches her not to question authority, which she does in this case, which you right. know took a whole lot of strength. And it's something that, you know, she was not used to doing. But also, the shame that her family felt. Like, she describes how her husband was really upset because, you know, the police are saying these things, like, about him being a drug dealer and being intoxicated and things like being that. Being an addict and shit. And, like, that in their culture made him look like he was a bad parent. He didn't raise his right. kid right. So when, when they when, finally learned the truth, like, it was... a a huge release relief off of him to at least know that he did raise his son correctly. Right. You right. know, it just mm, shame on them. It pisses me off. And friends of Praveen were th- that were there that night actually went on Monica's radio show and we're talking about how he didn't have hardly anything to drink. He wasn't drunk. He never used drugs. So like you have these people that were with him that night that are like, no, Right. That's not what happened. Right. You have eyewitnesses and character witnesses that go, that say that, nope, I don't know. Like, no, he didn't do shit. Right. So how is it that this healthy 19-year-old boy ends up dead in the woods and unable to help himself? Right. You know, think about that. Praveen's family and friends formed an action committee to investigate and demand justice. And like I said, Monica Zukas joined that and her and lovely formed this really strong friendship and worked really hard to try to get some get somewhere get some answers if nothing else right and it would take years and this mother like lovely is an amazing person right i really respect and admire her and she advocated for her her son and she went mama bear on their oh yes and i'm so proud like this this the city of Carbondale got the full wrath of Lovely, and Monica too. Mm-hmm. Like and it, they like they well deserved. They dominate like, and I know like we're talking about it. I don't know, kind of weirdly, but like those are two badass women. Mm-hmm. I agree. Monica and Lovely eventually, after like 
pursuing the the board and everything else for the county, they finally received the unredacted files. And this is when they learn about Gage and all this stuff. By this time, state's attorney Michael Carr had presented the evidence to a grand jury and they had declined to charge Gage with any crime. And Lovely was not okay with that. So I'm going to have you read what she said. Uh, Lovely said, quote, The decision was unfair because Carr had not subpoenaed Dr. Ben Margulis, the Harvard-trained independent forensic pathologist and director of the Autopsy Center of Chicago, end quote. Yeah, not, like, let's not subpoena the guy that fucking, like, knows right. his shit. Like, oh, no, Autopsy Center of Chicago? Oh, that small little town? I don't know what I'm talking about when I look at it. Like, if there's yeah. anybody, I'm sorry, if there's anybody I want to be subpoenaed to prove that this was not just hypo-fucking-thermia. Right. Give me the freaking guy from the autopsy center. center <laughs> the director. Like, it's right. not, it's not like it's an underling. It's not like it's, like, the brand new freaking doc, you know, the baby doctor that's in there. Right. It's the fucking director that said... Oh no! Like well, you guys are, you guys are idiots. And how convenient that you go before the grand jury and present the results of your first autopsy, and not the second one that completely contradicts the first one. Right. I mean, come on. It's just ridiculous. It's just, ugh, it makes me so mad. Lovely had to defend her son's reputation because, like I said, oh, he's a drug dealer. Oh, he was just a drunk college kid who passed out in the woods. You know, all these things. So not only is she having to try to fight for justice, like she's having to try to defend his name. Like they're running him through the mud. Right. It's terrible. And, you know, she knows her kid. And moms, we know our kids. We know what makes sense and what doesn't. And this is because the idiots decided to have a press conference before the autopsy results. And then whenever the autopsy results were in, they didn't redact the statement or have another conference be like, hey, we screwed up. We got the results in. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't on drugs. Right. They just left it as it fucking was. Mm-hmm. For years. Yep. They left it as it was. Like, we're not talking about just a couple months in between, you know, when Praveen was found to, right. you know. Like, this is years right. that people didn't realize that there was a second autopsy. And that both of them, the toxicology toxicology reports, were fucking negative. Exactly. For, for any and every goddamn thing that you could possibly find. Mm-hmm. You know? And that it was hypothermia. And that was frostbite on his forehead. Right. So like, not goddamn. only are they, you know, hiding information that they knew about, because they already knew Gage hit him. Right. But they're blaming Praveen for his own death. And once Lovely and Monica had the files, they found more. So, like, we were just talking about this frostbite because he was found face down, right? Photos showed where Praveen was found, and he was found on his back, not face up. Right. And that's... Are you freaking kidding me? Well, you mean not face down. Yes, that's what I meant. Not face down. Yeah. He was found on his back. So, not only were you... Was your pathologist or the person that performed the autopsy incompetent... You couldn't even get the fucking facts straight that he was on his back and not on his face. Like he was on his, laying on his stomach with his forehead hitting the ground where you said it got fucking frostbite. Right. They're just lying. Period. 
And Carbondale authorities, you know, then they kind of said, oh, no, it was just post-mortem discoloration. But Dr. Margolis in, in Chicago disagreed, and he said, no, these bruises extended into the bone. Praveen was in a very violent altercation the night of his death, and he had defensive wounds. Okay, so let's just kind of, for our listeners that aren't medically competent and stuff like or, you know, not up to times. What is a bruise? A bruise is the busting of blood vessels underneath the surface of the skin. Blood pools there, and it sits. A bone bruise is the busting of blood vessels, like, in, like that are next to the bone and causing massive hematomas. Mm-hmm. Guys, like, I cannot stress this enough, that this wasn't frostbite at this point. Like, no. There's no way in hell that they should have seen that this was, fr- like, they could call this frostbite. There's no way in hell that anybody at this point in time wouldn't have said, God damn, that's, a, like, he was assaulted. Well, and they had already talked to Gage, so they already knew he was hit. Right. Like, what's the deal with the cover-up here? Like, and I, I hate to make accusations, but, like, Obviously, there was some kind of cover-up because you knew he was hit. I wonder if they were thinking, like, if it's because it's such a fucking big issue with SIU Carbondale that they're like, oh, we can't have this one. Like, let's just, like, like let's call it what it is and hopefully everything goes away. Luckily, Lovely and Monica said, fuck you guys. I'm not, we're not leaving because my son didn't do this shit. Right. Like, that's not my son. My son's not, you know, I get it. There's some parents, you know, or there's some kids that go away to college and they become a totally different person. Totally different beast. You know? But Praveen was an athlete. He was a good kid. He was an athlete. He was just a normal sophomore in high school. Or, I'm sorry, sophomore <laughs> in college. Holy crap. Um, and what did they do? They go out and they drink every once in a while. Right. Big fucking whoop-de-doo. God, I mean, it, like, and it's not even college students. 19, 20 year olds anywhere right. go out and drink. Like, so I'm not full. He was it, a good uh, kid. It, like, and I, I just. And then they just decided we're just going to drag this case through the mud and just tarnish him. And, like, you got, like, they shat on his memories and the type, the person that he was mm-hmm. so damn hard. And I'm sorry, I'm cussing. Lovely, if you're listening to this, I love you. I'm sorry. But, damn it. Like, they drug his ass through the mud. They drug his... Like you said, his father, by proxy, through the mud. Right. You know, you had this man thinking that I failed as a fucking parent. I'm getting a little teared up. Sorry. I failed as a dad. And now, like, it comes to light that... Wait, you guys are fucking lying about all this? Right. And it's not, and this isn't, I can't stress this enough, it wasn't months, it wasn't weeks, years. It, was, it was years afterwards. So this family has years of thinking, God, like, what did we do wrong? It, is this really my son? That can't be my son. Like, that's not my son. Yeah. Like, the doubts that... And I give it to Lovely because she knew better. Right. And she wasn't going to stop until she found out what actually happened. It's just, it's unthinkable. And so when they get all of the records, they find the videotaped interview with Gage Bethune from February 17th. So mind you, this is before 
they found his body. This is while he's still missing. Right. Okay. And Gage says, quote, he definitely was not my race. I am not used to being around those types of people, end quote. So, I know this is going to sound bad. This is my take on this. We are some rednecks down here. I can see... Like a racial panic defense? No. That's uh, stupid. No, I'm not saying saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, like, I could see some rednecks down here being like, oh, they ain't white. They weren't. They weren't my. They weren't my race. Like I don't. I'm not, like I really don't have a lot of contact with them kind of people. Like that's. I can. I can that's see kind of what it was. It's no, like I, hillbilly I, freaking right idiot. I can't see. I can't tell. Like, but what I'm trying to say is that I don't know if it's a hundred a hundred percent racially motivated, or just somebody that's like never seen somebody that has a, like a little. bit... I don't of, know. Like you go down to Carbondale though, like. It's more diverse than like right. what it is up here. But here's the so. thing. Here, okay, it's diverse down there, but you got some kid from the freaking farm that went down to the Carbondale because he thought it was a party college, and that's and this well, is his first experience. Gage Bethune has lived around there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's from. I didn't know he that. wasn't even a student at SIU. Oh, he is just. Oh, I thought he was a, student. a local dumbass. But I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like. Was it wrong? And do I think there's maybe some racial? Possibly. But I can also, like, on the other hand, I could see that that's just redneck speak for, I don't, I know, he wasn't, like, I don't know what race he was, because he wasn't. I don't know. He wasn't white. When I watched it, I definitely got the vibe that he was kind of trying to imply that he was afraid of him because he was not his race. So, I don't know. But in this video, Gage admits to this fight, and, you know, this proves again police knew there was an altercation yet they made up every reason they could think of as to why he had marks on him why didn't they just tell her from the get-go there was an altercation even if they didn't think it was related to his death like why hide that right the trooper finally submitted his report several days after the incident, and it contradicted the story Gage had already told authorities. Once again, different stories. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he found Gage to be very nervous and suspicious acting, but again, they didn't do Which pisses any follow-up. Me off. Which, why fucking put that in your goddamn report if, you're, if you weren't going to go back the very next day and go look? Or, right. or or do more than what it saw on your damn body camera. Right. With you just kind of looking around. Like, that's bullshit. I think that's a CYA from the cop. Mm-hmm. Like, Gage was not considered a suspect, according to the Carbondale police. No, the guy that, you know, just said he assaulted somebody. Who just happens to be found right where this assault occurred, dead in the woods. Right. Like, and it's not how, like... I mean, I don't know how he wasn't a suspect. Like, even if they weren't sure if the cause of death had anything to do with the fight, how you were do the, you... You were the last known... Like, you were the last, last person that saw him... That saw Praveen alive. Right, and you admitted to hitting him. How are you not a... Not a suspect, at least a person of interest. Right. It just doesn't make sense. 
Lovely, on the other hand, she is, she lives up to her name. She is a lovely person. And the mama bear that we all need to be as moms. She refused to give up on her fight to justice and she kept pushing along with her friend Monica. And eventually a special prosecutor was named in the case. When the special prosecutor invested investigated the case, he came to a very different conclusion than Michael Carr. Right. This time, a grand jury was presented all of the evidence, including the toxicology results, the second autopsy, and the conflicting statements given by Gage. Gage was indicted on two counts of first-degree murder in 2017, three years after Praveen's death. Three fucking years after his death. Three years. So according to the indictment, Praveen's death was a result of hypothermia following an assault and robbery. According to the documents, Bethune admitted to authorities that he inflicted multiple punches to the head and face, rendering Praveen dead weight. And this is quote that like that's what he said was dead weight. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. How the fuck? Like, how was all of this missed? How did this happen? Oh, it makes me so mad. But Gage's parents, they came to his defense and they said that he was not guilty of murder and that, quote, our son will fight the charges and we have retained a lawyer for his defense, end quote. Good for, which, here's the thing. Go ahead, find it. If our son was accused of something, wouldn't we not put all the resources? Oh, yeah, no. I'm not faulting Gage's parents for putting the resources at all. The main person I'm faulting right now is the The police who investigated this because they did a real shit job. And the prosecutor for not putting all the evidence on the table. Right. Like, I'm sorry. They just made shit up as they went along. If there is... If it's on record that Gage... Like, it, it, it is on record that Gage said that he beat him... Like, he punched him in the head and face and made him dead weight. Mm-hmm. It means fucking he was unconscious. Right. And they knew this before that press conference right. where they sat there and said there was no foul play. It's oh. just, it's infuriating. It's very, it's, I'm, I'm pissed off right now. In June of 2018, the trial against Gage Bethune began in Jackson County, Illinois. During the trial, witnesses who were with Gage the night of Praveen's death said that he appeared intoxicated, speaking of Gage. Gage was intoxicated and using cocaine. So, the things that they accused Praveen of. Right. The prosecution explained that Gage assaulted Praveen as he tried to rob him. So, I'm going to go back just a second. Gage's family wasn't like... On, like, county boards or... No. You know. I asked Monica Zoukas that very question because I'm like, how the hell did this happen? (laughs) Like, Like, who is... is, Like, this is some shady shit that you would see if, like... some shit behind the scenes. Right. If the mayor's son was... Like, if this was the mayor's son or, like, the chief of police's... Like, I could... It's not right. But that's the kind of shit you see in... Like, this is some crime drama shit. Right. The prosecution... You know, said that Praveen likely died because the assault rendered him unconscious and he was unable to get himself out of the woods. And then he 
froze to death. Now, here's the other thing. Remember how they said they found all his clothes around his body? Right. They found a pair of shoes that were like Pumas or something. They were not his purple shoes. To this day, his purple shoes are still missing. So, like, there's just so many things that were so fucked up. The prosecution showed that the drugs and alcohol were not a factor, at least as far as Praveen's side. You know, his toxicology is negative. Gage Bethune took the stand in his own defense, and he admitted to hitting Praveen in the face. So, I have a question, again. Like, this is another one of those... Well, I guess because it was robbery. Yeah. That's why it's first-degree murder and not manslaughter or second-degree, right? Yeah. They're saying, basically, that he... And that it was he felony murder. Praveen up with the intention of robbing him. Gotcha. And so ended up beating him and then leaving him for dead. Gotcha. Which, again, first degree, premeditation can happen in three to five minutes. It doesn't have to be something you planned for a long time. Right. You know, premeditation no, no, can be if I decide right now that I'm going to go walk to the kitchen and get a knife, that's long enough to be premeditated. Right. So, I gotcha. Um, the jury found Gage Bethune guilty of first degree murder. Yeah, there's still like three pages of this, pages of this story left, so yeah. I'm not going to be happy. Well, I'm not going to, I know what's happened, so I'm not happy. Gage Bethune's family told the Southern Illinoisan that Facebook post made by Lovely and the supporters of the Varagese family unfairly tainted the jury and caused their son to be convicted unjustly. Bullshit. So there's this whole ad basically saying that this was trial by social media. They petitioned to have the verdict overturned, but that petition was denied. It seemed like Praveen was finally going to get justice, but then something else happened. So on the morning of Gage's sentencing hearing, he was led into the courtroom in street clothes and without shackles. Guys, you're going to get pissed off. Go ahead. So Lovely has said in many interviews that she knew right away something wasn't right. He's not shackled and he's in street clothes. Like, what the hell's going on that the defense already knows about, but obviously the victim's family doesn't. Judge Mark Clark made an announcement that shocked everyone. He announced that there was no prosecutorial misconduct. There was significant evidence for the jury to find Mr. Bethune guilty. However... There was a problem. He said that a syntax error, including the placement of a comma on the word knowingly on the indictment, may have confused the jury. Go. For this reason, he set aside the guilty verdict and Gage Bethune was a free man. This motherfucker was tried, convicted, and was about to be sentenced. But a fucking comma and the word knowingly. Right. Are you fucking, like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to get hot because this is, this has pissed me off the, I wish you guys would have seen the first time I reacted to this when Gina showed me this. Are you fucking kidding me? You let this motherfucker that has knowingly and stated, yes, I beat the shit out of him until he was freaking unconscious. Yeah, I did that. The jury said, yeah, you did that. But, oh, because somebody misplaced a fucking comma. 
Right. And he's even saying the prosecution didn't do anything wrong. The prosecution had no misconduct. So it wasn't an unfair trial. And there was significant evidence to find him guilty. And it, it's just insane. Now, judges have a lot of power, but this never is bullshit. has it... Have I ever seen and has many legal experts that have like weighed in on this case ever seen a judge take his power and his discretion to this point? It's a fuck like it's a spelling it like it's a grammar like somebody had shitty grammar that day when they were typing up the fucking (laughs) when they were typing up the indictment. And this is why I asked Monica. I said. Does Gage have family or family friends or something in high places? Because what the hell? Like, and this... And he doesn't. Like, this is just the creme de la creme, the icing and the cherry on top of how the fuck did this happen? Right. Why the fuck did this happen? Why did it take so goddamn long? Why didn't you tell people the fucking truth? Why did you withhold fuck... Like, there's so... Like, I don't get how the fucking city of Carbondale doesn't have shit for fucking public defenders and prosecutors and or it's, prosecute or you know defense. This is attorney. a mess. Because this is bullshit. Like, when you're telling me that there was so much gross miscarriage of justice to the point that a judge sets aside a fucking guilty verdict because of a fucking comma. Well, right, and they had already sure... petitioned for a new <laughs> trial and it was denied. Right. Like, goddamn, guys. Like, it's not... I'm sure the jury, if they would have had a fucking question about, hey, knowingly, hey, comma. Like, I'm sure there were some grammar police in that fucking jury that were like, oh, I get it. Oh, it's... I think the jury knew good and well what they were convicting him of. I don't think there was any confusion. I don't know who pulled these strings, but holy crap. And here's what really gets me. So... If they set the verdict aside, that means he can be retried. Which I don't get. And he, this was in 2018, Gage Bethune was set free, the charges were dropped. He has never faced a new trial. What does he have on the city of Carbondale? Right? Like, how many, does he know where berries are, like, bodies are buried or something? Because there's no way in fucking hell. Who did he turn evidence on? Whose dick did he suck? something going on because like, like what the hell like i'm sorry i don't get how this wasn't immediately like charges reapplied within months right if like i'll give you months because i get our jerk like yeah. our the judicial system kind of sucks and is slow but goddamn it's been four fucking years and this motherfucker is still walking around free so despite being convicted of murder four years ago, he is still a free man due to do whatever he liked. Now, the special prosecutor could take him back to trial at any point in time. Why the fuck hasn't he? Well, I would love to know the answers to that, but unfortunately that is one answer I could not get. Although this ridiculousness... Lovely said that she is at peace because now she knows what happened to her son and it's a matter of public record. And although Gage was not, you know, the ruling and stuff was overturned and he's a free man, 
she knows that it is on public record that at some point in time a jury found him guilty of murder. So here's the thing. And that gives her peace. So since he was like technically convicted and stuff, does he have any kind of record now? I well, wonder. It was overturned, so he doesn't have a conviction for murder. But like if you go on to Judici and you look him up, like you will see that he was charged with murder. But he was never convicted. But this isn't something that he has to like report. Like no. As he's no like he's not a felon, so no. he doesn't have to report like, oh, you know, I have this Right, no, he has no felony convictions whatsoever. That's fucking it's this motherfucker's still goddamn walking around. Right. Like like I said a couple seconds ago, like how the fuck have they not brought charge like were charges not brought up within I don't understand months. why they haven't retried him. If a, if a jury found him guilty once, they'd find him guilty again. As Not far as I know, the judge didn't change, like, like didn't rule that any of the evidence that was presented the first time was inadmissible. It was just the indictment. So, why, what would the difference be? If this evidence was good wonder, enough here, why wouldn't it be good enough for another trial? So, since it is, like, I wonder. Like, this is just me, like, wondering in my head. Like, since it is such a recent case... If maybe the prosecutor isn't waiting a couple more years, so it kind of gets out of people's minds, so it's not, so they can't be like, oh, you know, like, this has been, this is something that was just happened a couple years ago, and. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Lovely has said that she believes that race and prejudice play a role in this case, and Monica has told me that as well, you know, Um, as part of research i interviewed lovely she's been very outspoken she shared her story many times with news outlets a special investigation on investigation discovery on dateline several podcasts she wants to bring awareness to the problems in our justice system and inspire change she believes that praveen would have been an excellent police officer and that he would fight for social justice within the criminal justice system so i'm going to read the questions that i asked lovely and i'm gonna have chris read her responses what do you want the world to know about the person praveen was how should he be remembered i want the world to know what a wonderful son praveen is a loving caring funny kid who had high hopes and dreams about his future loved his life and lived a full life never held a grudge I want Praveen to be remembered for his love and compassion to others. Has the state's attorney indicated if or when Gage will be tried again? The special prosecutor has not given us any dates. What, if anything, has the university done to protect students? I feel the university always should do more to protect their students. These are young students. Most of them are just leaving home for the first time. And naturally, they want to enjoy their freedom. I feel there should be more education from the college to students on the dangers they could face and how to protect themselves. History can't be undone, but what, if anything, could bring you and your family peace? Praveen's death has made many changes. The scholarships that we started in Praveen's name give us a lot of peace. What advice would you have for someone who finds themselves in the position you were put in? I would tell people who are in our position not to ever give up. Do not be afraid to ask questions and challenge the authority. Do not lose your spirit and listen to your own intuitions. 
Be the voice of your loved one and never give up. Trust in the Lord and believe that he will lead you to the truth and give you peace. God damn it. I know. It's terrible. Like, she is so inspirational to me. She is just a pillar of strength. And I just, I admire her so much. And as she indicated, there is now a scholarship fund in Praveen's name. It's given to criminal justice majors. And one of the first people to get that was a relative of Praveen's. But the uh, family comes down every February and they honor Praveen's memory. They visit the place where he passed away and they give away this scholarship that invests in the future of law enforcement. If you'd like to donate to the Praveen Varghese Memorial Scholarship Fund, please visit our website. We're going to put some information up on the website about how you can donate to that oh, fund. Oh, that's, that's, that's going to stay up there forever. Yes. Like... <sighs> this story is heartbreaking. It's it's heart... It's very, like... I just started getting kind of choked up reading what lovely... Like, her responses mm-hmm. to the questions. I couldn't be that calm. Like, I couldn't I be... I admire her so much. I could... I, I don't know. Like, God, I'm going to start crying. I don't know... I wish I had the faith that she had. To know that there is a... Like, that there's something greater and that while this is a tragic like it was tragic what happened like he will always be remembered right. you know and that he's not going to be forgotten and that you know like she said just be the voice of the person that was you know yeah like i wish i had her like i think all of us as parents have that in us it's just, luckily for most of us, we don't ever have to use it. Right. And I think that it's just amazing to see somebody that has come out of what her cultural norms are, what her comfort level is, I'm sure. Right. And what she never thought that she would be. But she did because she knows her child. She knows who he is. And she knew... There was more to this story. And that wasn't what happened. Exactly. And, you know, I will always trust my intuition. And whenever I start to doubt it, I think what I will take from this and, you know, just being able to talk to her and and text with her and, you know, watch, even watch other interviews that she's done, is that as a mother, I should trust that instinct. And I'm not going to doubt myself on my instincts because... That's like the superpower that we have as parents, and this no, this the dad's case really, the dad's, is dad's, dad's really we don't really get intuition. This case just it's it's heartbreaking what happened, and it's, and just, it's even more heartbreaking that it had how be, it was handled. Like, and that's what kill it. Like, this is a double edged sword. Like, it's not only did you lose your son, but the people that were there, like that were supposed to be doing everything they could to find out what happened, lied. Right. I mean, she had to jump through hoops just to find out what actually happened to her baby. Yeah, and, like, we're omitting a bunch of stuff, but, like, there were some conversations that Gina had with Monica that I would, like, that I would listen to, kind of, on the sly. Yeah. You know, but 
just the amount of hoops that the district attorney just to get the like all the records mm-hmm. or like all the like everything and then like to get it reda- like unredacted right like that's bullshit got like a, and Monica was saying that like it took them forever and ages and multiple requests and like jumping through hoops and put like basically punching dudes in the dick to be like hey fucker give me what I want I'm not going like and I think that's what they thought I think, I think, I think they think, thought she would just go away yeah. she'd shut up and she'd go away and they're and I hate to like put it this way but it, you know they're white men in power and you know this Indian woman what does she she'll go away eventually if right. we just you know keep pushing shutting the door like, in her face and I kind of want to like and she didn't and Mike Carr was voted out of office. Thank God. Yes. But, like, there's kind of, like, Monica, like, if you listen to this, I want you to know, like, I, like, you're very inspiring. Like, you're very, like, you're the kind of pit bull that Lovely needed in her corner. Mm-hmm. You know? And to Lovely, like, you are the Basset Hound. Just keep <laughs> on. No, well, she's going to keep on digging until she get what she wants. Yeah. It's you just know? kind of a funny, funny analogy. I, well, you know, but like the uh, the amount of respect that I have, like I'm still talking to you two, like the amount of respect I have to you, for you two women is immense. And I know Gina has the same amount of respect. Like, like she said, nobody knows the limits that you're willing to go past until you're put to the point where you have to push past. Mm-hmm. That was a tongue twister. Yeah, no kidding. But... Oh, God! It's one thirty in the morning, and we're still recording this. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. This whole story is heartbreaking, and it's enraging, and it's sad to me that this I'm, is happening. Like, and four years after his conviction, and it's been overturned, and he hasn't been retried, and nobody really knows why. It doesn't make any sense. Something's going on that people don't know about quite right. clearly. Obviously, that's that's the thing. There has to be. There has to be, like, this can't be, like, I can't, my brain can't comprehend that this, like, it's not, like, they're not this fucking incompetent. Like, there has no, to be. No, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. And but... I, well, I don't I don't want to say that because we don't know. But fucking goddamn, like, it, you guys can't be this incompetent that you can't get this man, like, somebody with an English degree to write your fucking indictment with perfect freaking grammar and figure well, out what wordage you want to put in there and read get, like get this like I, I know Lovely has put it but like it's in her past now and I wonder if that's you know I, I don't I, I wouldn't want it to reopen just because it seems like they're at peace now yeah but damn it this motherfucker does like and I'm sorry I'm cussing so much he doesn't need to be walking around the streets no and I think Lovely would be happy to see him go back to trial but I think she's also to the point where you know she has found peace and, it, and this, she knows now what happened and, and this and everybody knows what he did I'm just surprised like even if they didn't think that they would get another guilty verdict which I don't understand why they wouldn't but why not even pursue lesser charges you know he admitted to assaulting him so, if anything, you get manslaughter. Well, I mean, even if they just charged him with assault, like something, like there's something there, but um, Ours is not whatever. A- there's clearly something we don't know. 
Um, if you guys want to see my list of references as well as some pictures of this handsome young man, he was very handsome. Yeah. Um, visit our website at www.themidwestcrimefiles.com and like and follow us on Facebook. And also, if you guys have Discovery Plus, look up Who Killed My Son. It is the investigation discovery uh, documentary that very good was on this case. It's yes. a very good. And you will get to, you by the time you're done with it, you'll feel like you know Lovely. She's just that kind of person. Right. And she's just a beautiful soul. Yep. Uh, if you guys want to become, like, patron, that's uh, also at the webpage, on our webpage. Um, yeah. Well, that's season three wrapped, I yes. guess. Yes. So, we will be back with season four on May the 4th. Right. And I've already got... Five out of 20 stories written, and I can tell you guys, you are in for a heck of a season. Yep, and you guys might see us maybe do a Facebook Live here and there, because I know Gina's going to be missing it, so. Yep, and but. please continue to send me any case suggestions that you have. I do have several seasons planned, but when I find stories that compel my interest, they get moved to the top of the list, so... Send them on over if you want me to take a look at them. Um, every single recommendation gets put on my list and I research it. Now, I'm not going to promise everyone will result in a story. It depends what I can find. But um, I try my very best to get every single recommendation onto a podcast episode. Yep. All right. You ready to sign off for this season three? I am. All right, we'll see you guys later. Adios.